Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. All right. Had a really fun stretch of kind of batch recording podcasts, um, and I, I love I, I I go back and forth around like batch recording and then just kind of going along as I go. And there is a value in batch recording where it's like almost like the conversations get deeper and juicier because you're just all in it. So, <laughs> um. I think you responded to a recent inquiry I had that was like, hey, here's what my podcast is about. Does anyone have anything they want to share? So we don't know each other, but we will much better in the next 30 minutes. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Sivani Shaya. And I like my guests to introduce themselves in a way that feels right for you, for today, for this audience. And then we just start talking. <laughs> so tell us who you are. If you're interested, why you would say yes to, to joining this particular show. Um, then we'll get into it. All right. Well, thanks for having me, Amanda. I um, responded to your post um, asking about guests coming on and to speak about the topic of abortion. And largely it's because I'm currently training in um an ancient science called Ayurveda. And I've spent the last three years, I'm going to continue on, probably get my PhD in it. But one of the, the most amazing courses was the course on um, conception and what they, what the effort, the energy that they put into creating children 5,000 years ago in this ancient science. And to me, it was mind boggling because it's not only the beauty for mm. the health of a child, but for the mother. And I think that there's so much that is missed in, you know, just get pregnant, just go ahead and do it. You just become a mom, no problem. And there's a lot that's ignored as regarding the overall sacrifice a woman makes to create life. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love, I'm, I'm writing two things. One was I, I just love the language of creating children. Like the energy around that is is so different than um than how we approach pregnancy now. And also there's the angle of just get pregnant, but then there's also the angle of if you get pregnant, just go with it. Mm -hmm. And so both those pieces um I would love to see in the abortion conversation exactly what you're speaking to, which is so much more planning and intention. It's a big deal to have children and the way that actually this morning, <laughs> this morning, I just recorded a little reel about it, but this morning I got all riled up because someone who I sort of on again, off again, follow made a comment about what she termed as late term abortions. And it it was just very, 
from my perspective, very uneducated and disrespectful. And I noticed myself like getting so mad and riled up. And then and I just have to step back and take a breath and remember this is how we've been presented the abortion conversation. This is how we've been pre- presented, like what it means to have a family, what it means to get pregnant. And so even though I disagree with her, like I can understand how we get here. We're not in a culture that really talks about what it means to plan to have a pregnancy, to plan to have a family, to use your like physical and spiritual energy to make a baby. (laughs) I feel like that's where your expertise comes in is like when we talk about creating children, creating families, it's like physical energy, spiritual energy, emotional energy. Um, My perspective is no, all pregnancies do not need to be perfectly planned and you don't need a perfectly healthy body to be able to bring in a a well-rounded, healthy human being. And We can talk about having more intentional pregnancies, more intentional family planning, more health and well-being in this like creation of a family. So I'm going to stop talking for a second and see what your reactions to those thoughts are. Well, I mean, obviously, I totally agree because the thing is, is that mm, perfection is not a part of of human experience that there's always going to be some sort of stress or something that pops up, but just like anything in our lives that we really, really value, the more energy and intention that we put in there in planning it and working for it prior. I mean, like it's, it's wonderful. Something just lands in your lap. Um, but sometimes we don't value it the same as when we, you know, save up our money or, you know, like if we're going to buy a car, we saved up our own money. We did that. And then the same thing with, um, creating children. I mean, one of the things that is totally ignored in our culture is, is that we all are coming from vastly different backgrounds. Now there was a time when everybody was like in their little communities and everybody had same thoughts and all of that. But when you have people marrying from different cultures or different belief systems and all of that, and they love each other, but have they really thought about what those different viewpoints are going to do for that child? And I can speak to that from my own personal experience that it, the longer that that relationship went on, the worse if things got and the more confusing it got for our children, you know, yeah. because there was this constant battle about whose beliefs were more valuable. And that's what I love about the whole program of Ari Veda. It was a like that is the whole preconception part. Like sit down and talk about it. Like what are you creating and what what is your aim? And is it going to work out to the T? No, it's probably not going to follow the plan. But just you doing that is going to inspire you to, I don't know, cross some T's, dot some I's, you know, get a little bit more connected with what it is that you're doing because creating a life is not some small thing. I have three, I have three children that I went ahead with and Mm -hmm. that's not a small thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am curious what you said that one of the most interesting parts of your Ayurveda training was to learn about the, the intention and the effort and the energy that went into creating children. 
Is there any like particular thing that stands out that you remember being like, wow, we are so far from any, any belief system like that or any, I don't know, ceremony or whatever, like what sticks out to you? The biggest part that was amazing to me is, is that in that culture, in those, that 5,000 years ago, the man really cherished the woman and embraced what she was doing as a service, not to just their family, but to all of humanity. And so anything that he was doing to provide security, stability, strength for her to, to do this, it was because he valued what it was that she was doing so highly. And that if that wasn't the case, then the community would probably, you know, not want that union to be there anyway. So that the whole culture was about embracing the fact that when a woman creates a baby, she's doing that for all of humanity. That's a huge, huge gift. I mean, to me, I was just like, oh, it's so beautiful because I remember giving, creating these babies and, you know, and loving my children that that's how I felt. It was not just they weren't just for me and they still aren't, you know, as young adults or creating their lives that they have the opportunity and the potential to make a mark in all of the collective. And had I begun that, you know, like begun that rather than, Oh, I'm pregnant. Oops. I'm pregnant. You know, that might've kind of created a more stable foundation for them. Yeah. Do you have an opinion or a thing you remember learning about where slash when in history that started breaking down, that cherishing of the the woman and her ability to carry on humanity in this way? You know, I mean, uh, I, I, it's a dumb question in some ways because like it's probably dependent on where we're talking about in the world, but like maybe something sticks out for you. Well, I don't know that it it necessarily like that I could pinpoint a particular time because I'm not a historian, but um, it is clear that there there was some sort of division. And if you know anything about um, some of the Eastern traditions, they talk a lot about yugas. So this this may t- take us totally. I don't away know from- this word at all. There's no so, way in this podcast we can go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I can just do it kind of briefly. But basically, they have a belief or understanding that the um, that there's a timeline. So there's our Earth goes around a sun, but then there's a central sun that the universe moves around. And um, the time when this 5,000 years ago where they were holding the last remnants of more of an enlightened society where people really did honor and love each other for whatever expression they had to give to the whole. Um, As that changed, it was because we were moving away from that central sun. So a lot of the consciousness began to dull. Like, uh, sorry, my kids are so loud. Can you hear that? It's it's really distracting. (laughs) Summer vacation. (laughs) Do you mean like um, astrology wise, like cosmically we were moving away or yeah. like as a, oh, interesting. So just like very much like what happens in the seasons on this planet, 
Yeah. It's winter. Everybody feels tucked in and tired and they want to snug up and, you know, maybe they're not as energetic and as in uh, lively or whatever, and maybe even a lot more negative, you know, more fighting and depression and stuff. But as soon as the spring starts to come, you know, everybody starts feeling something different. Yeah. Well, essentially that's what that, um, ancient tradition that yogic tradition would talk about. Okay. So there's a little piece of me that's like, okay, well, if we think about it in that large of a scale, like that big picture, how much control do we have now? Or is this chaos we're in just how it was like, astrologically cosmically supposed to happen for humanity anyway do, do you know what I'm do you know what I'm getting at yeah and this it's is one of the that, ones... like big question of like do you know do we even bother controlling our environment and our humanity and Anyway, okay, I'll stop talking because you had a reaction. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the question that most people ask when they start exploring this line of thought, thinking yeah. or thought. Yeah. And it's interesting because there are two thoughts on that. So there are there's the one that says you can't change anything. So just expand your own consciousness and learn to, you know, the whole serenity prayer, learn to be wise about what you can and you cannot change. Yeah. But Ayurveda's particular um, take on it is is that there is quite a few things that we are we do have the ability or mm, to control or that we have power over like for example we have power over what we put in our mouth yeah now that may uh, be limited depending on our socioeconomical status and all of those types of things geography yeah mm-hmm. yeah but within that we still have particular choices or we have the choice to sit around and let all of our energy pool in our body and um, cause atrophy in the cell cellular reconstruction and all of that or we can move our bodies so those are the types of choices and they do make a big impact on the overall health of the our physiology so that's where when it's when we're talking about creating new life and that's where we don't really have total control over what's going to happen. Um, but we could put more energy and effort into what that is, you know, just like we could be mindful if our car is low on gas that we go and put gas in it instead of trying to drive it and be like, well, you know, maybe somehow gas will appear. I mean, a lot of times in our current day people are so disconnected from their own bodies and the little warning signals that is being sent off all the time and all they would have to do is just you know stop and put a little gasoline in there or you know rest a little bit yeah I mean that would be my um sort of belief in in my original question and is like my question addressed the like sort of black and white thinking of the whole situation. It's like either do either do nothing and just surrender to whatever happens or do everything and try and control it all. And I mean, my whole premise is like playing in that gray in that middle space where it's like, 
no, I don't have control of all things, but I can decide what to do. And that's how I feel about my whole um, conversation around abortion is like, we do have choice, A, in what we do with our bodies in the first place, but then B, what we do with ourselves after we've decided what to do with our bodies. And that all that gray, nuanced middle ground is my favorite place to be. All right. Do you want to go back to talking about um, about your work and sort of planning for a pregnancy? And I would love to take it from the angle of many of my listeners have chosen abortion. Then they have found themselves in this sort of muddled, messy, emotional place that they weren't necessarily expecting, right? Like I thought I would make this choice and I'd feel very empowered and I'd feel a lot of gratitude and relief, but I'm also or only feeling grief and shame and guilt and like, oh no, I'm getting a phone call. <laughs> My uh, computer did like one of those upgrade resets. So apparently I now need to uh, change my settings. Wow, this is a fun, fun podcast episode. Like <laughs> nine-year-old boys making noise, 18-year-old daughter calling me on the phone. Okay, so let's approach it from the angle of a lot of my listeners are coming to me after one or multiple abortions, and many, many of them would like to plan a family someday or have realized post after abortion that they do want to have a child. So how would you um, speak to those listeners who, whatever their past history is, they do want to plan a pregnancy moving forward and they want to do it intentionally? Um, what do you have to offer them? Well, that's the thing that I loved about the um, uh, the certification that I got in Happy Healthy Mom and Baby. Yeah. And it starts right at preconception. And the whole premise there is to like Ayurveda presents certain things, not only like the mental, emotional relationship aspect of what it is that you're doing, but also preparing your body for it. And then even doing things like that. So one of the things would be mensis normalization. Um, so if somebody was say on birth control for a period of time that they, that in Ayurveda, they would want you off of that for about six months. And then so that your cycle could be come very, um, natural or normal for your body. And then within that, then there would be things that could be done to increase the chance or the potential of fertility in both man or male and female, because it does take both of those uh, parts at this time. Um, and then, yeah, ideas. I mean, that's just interesting <laughs> coming back to like men cherishing women, um, but then also cherishing themselves and their own contribution to a pregnancy like there's something that's virtually never talked about <laughs> yeah and that, except I those rare that. instances when there's like infertility and then yes. after a million tests they finally figure out that it's the sperm that's the problem not the but yeah okay that's I did love that as well that it's um you know that the male the man goes through or could go through a whole process, preconception process as well. And that 
the purpose would be to strengthen both of their bodies, Mm -hmm. bring them as healthy as possible so that what they're creating together. And, and then, you know, I think one of the things that I experienced in my pregnancy, I don't know if it happened with you, but that it was like, that's what you're doing. But in art, the Ayurvedic, um, standpoint is, is that both partners are going through this pregnancy in different ways and both have parts. And so that comes in throughout the different preconception, um, conception. Um, even that is kind of a beautiful way that they go about it. They talk about when and how, and the intentions before you're even trying. I mean, some of that is unfathomable to most people who are just, you know, I don't know. I just woke up and boy, I was pregnant, you know, to purposefully kind of put some energy in that direction. And, um, the other beautiful thing is, I'm sorry. I don't know if you just heard that my cats are. Oh, this is the craziest episode. I'm actually going to leave all of these pieces in (laughs) because it's just like blowing my mind how much noise is happening. (laughs) I did hear that, but compared to my noise over here, nothing. (laughs) oh funny uh anyways so the you know the the whole uh preconception pregnancy and then postpartum and in that that the man has plays a part all the way through all of those aspects including a connection with the, the baby after birth so that there's a strong connection with the father and the child from the get go you know and so again these are aspects of um family life that i wasn't raised with you yeah. know i actually yeah. i was the eighth or ninth child of my father and i was the first one he saw born you know, he just was not a part of all of that because that just wasn't the way it went. Yeah. And so to have um, two people really creating something together and valuing that life that they're creating and taking responsibility for that life, all of a sudden that makes it something bigger than just, you know, I'm just, a I don't know. Yeah. I happen to or get just pregnant. the thing that I was like in society, you just do, or, you know, right. that you're actually participating in it. Yeah. Okay. So you talked about, um, menses normalization. Mm-hmm. Um, how many people, like, do you have a practice you're, you're just learning all this or you have a practice that you've been working? Um, with I, people? I have done some, I haven't worked with anybody through the a pregnancy yet. Okay. Cause I, but you, you've been around, I mean, it's your world. So you've probably been around a lot of people like many things in our, in our society. I think most people who seek out Ayurvedic care maybe have already struggled with what they would label as infertility or like, it's like a solution to a problem versus a, um, like, I want to get pregnant. I don't know how healthy I am or not. So I'm going to start investigating. But um, how does, what are some Ayurvedic tips for creating regular healthy menstruation? Well, one of those things that is really, really valuable, especially in our culture, would be um, regulating digestion. So one of the things that 
most of us do is we're eating all the time, like um, eating barreling down the road in our car at 70 miles an hour. Oh, like I just shoved the toast in my mouth before I got on this call (laughs) like that? Yeah, like that. (laughs) I mean, a little bit different because when you're barreling down the uh, uh, freeway and eating at the same time, you definitely (laughs) have the fight or flight going. And maybe you had some fight or flight stress going before you started it. Probably not the same sort of thing. So minimizing things or realizing that those are two different processes taking place at this and you're trying to do them at the same time. Mm. And that creates a lot of, um, stress in the body. You can't absorb nutrients from your food if you're in fight or flight. And a lot of times the foods, um, will ferment and just create, um, blockages and all sorts of challenges in your body. So things like that would be, uh, the Ayurvedic perspective, you know, that when That's you're going to really fascinating thing, I've probably heard before, but really stuck out when you said it, that the way your body processes the exact same food, like a piece of broccoli or a piece of toast, the way you digest it as and the way you absorb its nutrients, because either one has one arguably more nutrients than the other, but digestion changes based on your fight or flight response your your um nervous system the state of your nervous system absolutely wow we do not when you are in fight or flight all of the blood leaves your internal organs and it goes to your muscles so it can't it's not doing anything right so when we talk about family dinner it's not like it's not just like a lovely thing so we can be a unit and get to know each other. The when all that's happening, we are in a state of being, a state of community, a state of t- togetherness that actually changes our digestion. Yeah. <laughs> Versus this how many families like my own at times have the chaos of the sports schedules and the school schedules and they're running out the door, shoving breakfast in your mouth. And the, like you were talking about the freeway, um, just taking a minute. And again, not striving for perfection, but going like, I'm giving my body this food, whether it's the perfect food or not, I'm going to just take some breaths be with it and digest what I can from it. Yep. Um, wow. Really. And I love that you said that don't make it a big stress because guess what happens when you start? Okay. Now I have to eat it and I have to sit still and I have, but I can't sit still. So then what's happening is you're mentally creating that same fight or flight. I'm reading a book called zebras don't get ulcers. And, mm-hmm. and essentially that's, he's a biologist and that's what he's talking about all the time is what are you doing with your mind? Because that's the one thing that makes us different than animals. We can think ourselves into stress. And so then if we're stressed out and we're eating even the very, very best healthy food. It's like a whole different good. perspective on intuitive eating, right? Like if you're eating ice cream, I mean, I hear I, I think I, I'm saying it not the way you do, but Ayurvedic is the whole thing with like different people have different constitutions. I don't know if you use that language, but like ice cream for one person is very different than ice cream for another person. Ice cream at one time of your cycle is very different, (laughs) all that stuff. But like 
even just the idea of am I eating this and enjoying it? Because even if it's ice cream, I can get some really value. I can get calcium, for instance, (laughs) not as much as other foods, but like brings intuitive eating to a whole different place. Like no matter what I'm eating, I can get value, some fortified or natural value from it just based on being with it and enjoying it and being present as as I'm creating it. Yeah, because again, I mean, if some people came across um, the different mm, descriptions of Ayurveda, they might get really stressed out because maybe they don't have the types of funds that are going to be able to have them spend all. And so then they stress out trying to come up with the money and all of that. But that's um, not the totality of Ayurveda. Ayurveda is mind, body, spirit, emotions, like any and all aspects of life and seeing what you can do to bring that into balance. So if you're eating, again, if you're eating them, and I did this with my husband, poor thing, he, he suffered or struggled with me for the first two years of my schooling because I was constantly, you can't eat that, you can't eat that, you can't, and, you know, he started getting so frustrated and I could just see it in him every time he sat down to eat and he loves to eat food and he would just be like, mm. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's it. I can't do this to him anymore. Yeah. This is not love. This is just ridiculous. And this is not the premise of like yeah let him get what he can out of it based on his own pleasure and presence and enjoyment exactly. i'm making the not so good food worse the way that i'm <laughs> adding the layer of stress to it <laughs> interesting yeah so it's it's fun yeah. to kind of see if see how much you can step back and kind of observe and notice all of these little things because yeah. Yeah. And that's essentially what we're talking about when we're talking about creating or planning a baby or making the choice, whether you're going to have it or not have it, yeah. that there is no perfect choice or decision in any way, because we can, we can do our very best to try and try and try and think that perfect, but all of that aim for perfection is tons of stress and it's going to result in some sort of breakdown. Um, so having and, and you were kind of touching it on, on it earlier, that gray area or the razor's edge, people like to say, or, you know, like where you're just coming back to yourself. The other thing that I love about Ayurveda is, is its main, especially the way that I'm learning it, is the main foundation is learning to connect with your own inner intelligence. And um, the way that they've shown me to do that is through pulse. It's also through, you know, a meditation closed-eyed meditation practice where you learn to cultivate that relationship where you can begin listening and then the intuitive eating becomes much much easier and so do a lot of the intuitive choices which is something that's very inherent in a lot of women that has been shamed and poo-pooed as Mm -hmm. being emotional or any of those other aspects you know and not embraced for the wisdom um, even if it seems illogical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just hear the few listeners who are like, oh my gosh, I got pregnant and my diet and stress has been so bad. And, you know, all that has ruined this pregnancy and, <laughs> you know, the people who are backtracking in their heads <laughs> or like when I, 
I don't know, when I had my kids, I was so unhealthy and I didn't plan and and my partner could have cared less and was not cherishing me. And just reminding those listeners right now that um, all intentional living is about just slowing down and moving forward and not beating yourself up for anything in your past, not shaming yourself for the way you've been eating. Um, if you decide to live consciously forward, it's just one step at a time. There's yes. no big, big leaps to make and certainly not an invitation to beat up any way you've planned a family before or been treating your body before. Right. Because yeah. I think that that's one of the things that is also, I don't, in my own personal experience has brought me a great deal of joy in my life is, is embracing the relationships that were not perfect mm. and how, when we are committed to particular things that you can find amazing experiences of love within all of those things and forgiveness and just beautiful, amazing things. I have three children. I also did not do this. And as a result of that, I did have some physical challenges of which Ayurveda does say, um, it creates like, if it's not addressed, um, especially postpartum, mm -hmm. um, that you can end up having some more chronic illnesses that could have been prevented. Um, so that did happen for me. And as a result of that, there was kind of a separation that grew between my children and I, but then because my ex-husband, but, um, as we come back together, my children and myself, that it really is amazing to me because what they really need to hear from me is how perfect I see them as being. Mm -hmm. And that if they have little aspects or things that they don't like about themselves, that they're just going to begin doing the exact same thing that I'm doing. And that is becoming more intentional about what it is that I'm doing, connect more with my own inner intelligence and begin to create my life and they'll have something that I didn't have. And that is somebody who can guide them into do that and love them unconditionally, make whatever choice that you want to make, be whoever you want to be, because there is underlying that there is an intelligence. I'll just use it as that word, because I know everybody experiences their spirituality or their connection with a source in a different way, but there is an intel intelligence. There wasn't, it wasn't a mistake that, they are a part of my life that that wasn't a bad choice in my life. Yeah. 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 Um, do you have any words of wisdom for uh, the listener who maybe has had a recent abortion and can do that sort of postpartum like after abortion care to their own body for their future health, whether it includes future pregnancies or not? One of the things that's big in Ayurveda um, after the birth of mm -hmm. the baby is, is that the space that they were holding inside your body and to kind of begin to um, reclaim that space. So regardless of whether you were, you took it full term or not, um, the way that they do that, that they pacify air or space, you were talking about constitutions, um, is to either use oils over your body. So you could mm -hmm. go and have a massage, an mm -hmm. oil massage all over. There are um, 
Ayurvedic massages that are very light. Um, so depending on who you are or how you feel, it may be something if you don't have an Ayurvedic per- practitioner in your area that you go and have something more like a lymphatic massage mm. with oils to kind of, you know, be very light, but soothing to your body. Um, another thing could be to bind. Like if you were to carry a baby to full term, you yeah. have this space and they would bind your, your mid area, holding it tight and continuing to hold that tight until that, until your body's reclaimed its like the muscle memory and all of that. I come from a world of um, pregnancy and birth. Um, So when you say bind, I know exactly what you mean, but a different listener that can sound like a scary word. So can you explain (laughs) what you mean by bind? So in now um, in Ayurveda, (laughs) at least they would take a cotton um, kind of gauze that's very long and wrap it around very tightly around your mid area. And actually um, like if one was to have had an abortion, you could take it through your legs um, and then up again through your midriff. So everything's being held in that. Um, But obviously if you've just had a full term baby, then you want to wait to go through, you know, like wrap it around your legs. Um, I uh, don't have the exact, but it's a few days at least. So if you don't want to go all the way in, into a sort of a belly binding, um, things like just remembering to like, you know, I, I was even thinking as you were talking, like just climbing on the couch at night and putting a weighted blanket on your, on your belly. Right. Like, it's just that idea of like holding me in and, and safe and secure, um, adjust it as find a scarf that's long enough to just tie around to feel like you're put together and you're whole and you're protected, um, any way you want to adapt that. Um, but you can also look up belly binding, which is really cool practice. Um, any other after abortion, so oils, you said, um, are there any particular foods that are, that are healing for the womb or? Um, yeah, that one's a, a little bit more challenging because, um, depends on the person constitutions yeah. <laughs> make a difference, <laughs> yep, yep. but anything that's easy to digest. So warm soups or very well cooked meals are, mm-hmm. are all very healing and nurturing and nourishing. So those would all be kind of a broad approach, but to realize that you really just went through something very traumatic with your body. So you need that time to be healed and nurtured. And one of the things that I loved about Ayurveda as far as postpartum was to create or open yourself to the help from the community around you. So if you have anybody in your Mm -hmm. world that you can open up and Mm -hmm. allow them to nourish and nurture you Mm -hmm. for however long, whatever long they're willing to do, or however long you can receive that help, especially in the first week after that choice, you know, that would be an amazing gift to yourself so that you have the time to process what you've done. And again, I feel like that's maybe something that's missing a lot when we're talking about um the choice to have an abortion is 
really connecting with the fact that you that you're going to change the direction of, that your cellular part of you was going in. And so then there needs to be the bigger part of you also making the choice to love and care for, for yourselves so that it can get up and get going again. Yeah. And I would just say to, to some listeners, like, if you don't feel like you have that person who can love and hold and support you, like keep listening to the podcast. I actually got a message yesterday or the day before from someone who had one sort of like a consult. Do you want to work together call with? And I told you before we started, I rearranged my office and I actually saw her name and it stuck out like, oh, I, and I just like sent her this burst of love. Like I saw her name because that's how I am with anyone I touch base with. It's just like when I write at the end of my email, believing in you, like I really am believing in you. I'm holding you. Um, and literally hours after I saw her name, this is years ago. I talked to her. I was, I was up like completely redoing my office space. Um, hours later, she sent me an email. She was like, I know we never worked together, but I just want you to know I kept listening to the podcast. You've, you know, you kept supporting me even though we never talked. So let that be the support you need. Keep listening to the podcast. Keep surrounding yourself with environments that um, that honor and respect you and believe in you. If you're the listener who's like, I don't have anyone. No one will support me. Like, you're in it right now. Listen to this episode 10 times if you need to. <laughs> like, I also have somebody who was like, I listened to this episode. I forget which one it was. Um, at least 100 times. And I thought she was kidding. And she was like, literally, what? Okay, whatever it takes. Like there, you are loved and supported. Um, even if it's not in your immediate friends and family, which is pretty common for people after abortion. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times we have to keep it secret, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Our, our world around us won't accept it. Yet sometimes if there is, you know, just a friend or or whatever also remember that allowing yourself to be receptive to that help and asking yeah. for it can yeah. just move mountains in your life. They really can really, really can. Um, Something stuck out for, I, I want to wrap up here, but something, <laughs> something stuck out for me way back at night, like was just going to ignore it, but I feel like I want to say it out loud. Um, As we started, we were talking about like, the cherishing of humanity and society and um and and women and i think as the age of information becomes bigger and bigger which happened over the last thousands of years but certainly has increased in speed in the last decades um do you think that like as humans have access to more and more information we that we didn't know that we lean on the spiritual less and less like like back in the day when it was more ceremonial and there was intention and preparation and and like real consciousness around creating a child creating a human we didn't know how biology worked. We didn't know. And like the more information we have, like the less we lean on the unknown, like we lean on the spiritual. Um, 
And I hope that we're at a point in humanity where we're going to tip back the scales a little and start leaning more on the unknown and the spiritual um, because I think we lost a lot when we started thinking we knew, right? Like, I think I know how to create a fertile woman versus like, let's hold and cherish and take care of this human that could create another human for us. <laughs> anyway, that just stuck out to me earlier and I thought you might have thoughts about it. Well, I agree. And it is something that is an interesting thing because it is in the circles that I frequent. Um, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about as far as the yugas that many people have wanted to believe that we're a lot closer to um, our way back towards the yeah. that central sun where everything will be uplifting and all of that again, um, while others are thinking that we're still in the pit of it. However, one of the things that's so beautiful about um, the concept is, is that the more individuals, so all of your listeners that are joined here together, listening to the thoughts, the concepts, um, pondering these sort of things, as the group does that, then that's a powerful energy to begin shifting things in a direction that we want to go. So things may not yet be perfect and I think most of us kind of know that we're not starting at perfect. We didn't have perfect parents and our grandparents weren't perfect, all of that stuff. Um, and that maybe we are not as perfect as we would like to be. But as we begin shifting our energy in that direction, then that's what our offspring or our future generations of offspring will be walking into. Um, and so for me, that's the part that is inspiring and it keeps me going every day, regardless of whether I get to have that particular experiences that I do want to be a, a voice and an energy that um, inspires that direction, Yeah, that possible reality. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes not knowing and just leaning in is so much more valuable than knowing. That's sort and of I like the intuitive um, presence around eating, right? It's like not knowing what's in a food and just enjoying it, being with it, digesting more of its nutrients is more valuable than having the nutritional content listed out of what you're and then panicking about like, do I have enough of this nutrient? Do I have enough? Right? It's like sometimes the not knowing is where where the really good stuff is. Yeah. And I, I do think that that's something that absolutely has been lost in our day of information. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say to swing back to my biggest message is like the not knowing of why abortion is a part of your story is also something to embrace, right? It's like, Sometimes we want to understand why it happened to us or what we're supposed to do with it. And in the same sense, just surrendering to the not knowing, like, this is a part of my story. This is a part of my life. Who do I want to be now that it's here versus like the, the need to know why did this happen? What do I do with it? How do I make it worth it? All those, those kinds of questions. Yeah. And hopefully as people listen to that 
um, train of thought, they can really connect with what we're talking about here is there's a difference between overthinking, worrying, and fear, doubt, all of those things. It wreaks havoc on your body and it's going to lead to illness and discomfort. So yeah. you could you could take that avenue if you want, because we all have choices to do whatever we want, but you don't have to. You can you can have an abortion and you can live a healthy, happy, vibrant life Absolutely. without judgment, you know, and do whatever you want to do in the future and create whatever you want. It doesn't have to, have to limit you. And that really is the power that resides in each one of us, you know, how, where we direct our mind. Yes. <laughs> if people want to learn more from you, where can they find you? Uh, they could find me at um, ivara.com. Oh, I can spell that A Y U R V A R A.com. Okay, perfect. And of course, we'll do all the linking. Thank you so much for having this conversation. See, I told you, they're, th- it's just impossible to keep them short. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's been almost an hour, but um, thank you for adding your your wisdom and your perspective to the show. Thank you. It was a joy to spend this time with you, Amanda. Mm -hmm. Until next week. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.